We are back for another edition of the Fight HQ Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Foy. That is a fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. We're here to talk UFC Austin, which goes down tomorrow there in Austin, Texas. And, well, all you got to do is look at the fight card, and you know it's in front of fans. You know it's not a UFC Apex card. It's a, a nice little fight night card. Of course, we did lose one fight earlier on today. The weigh-ins are in the books. Of course, uh, if you had Costa Garcia in your lineups, well, uh, you got to go and make some changes because that fight is no longer happening. Of course, as always, appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast of course uh, be sure to uh, hit that thumbs up button whether you watch us on youtube or if you're listening to us over on the podcasting platforms the rating and review much appreciate that of course subscribe to the channel we got our discord channel ton of great conversation going on there not just about mma but other uh, sports action going on of course totally free to join of course we got our, our merch store as well we got the DraftKings contest all those links are in the description below but it is a friday afternoon early friday afternoon here here on the east coast just after 12 o'clock eastern time how's it going pete what's going on man it's been quite a week over here um but happy we were able to uh to pull off putting the show together um and i actually think that the timing kind of worked out perfect for this card because we had some uh some interesting weigh-ins um we had Jalen turner just weigh in uh at 157 um you know he took the fight on short notice stepping up against bobby green and then went in the back and within five minutes shed a pound somehow and weighed in at 156 pounds. I'm hearing a lot of people say he did not look good on the scale. I don't think many people do look good on the scale. And he is a fighter that cuts a tremendous amount of weight. He's a massive, massive lightweight. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that he kind of looked like a zombie. But, I mean, that's kind of expected. It's not ideal circumstances. He did decline the fight uh, when they initially offered it to him. And then I'm sure they called back with a larger amount of money, and uh, you know, and, and, and it forced him to to basically take the take the gamble on, on the fight against Bobby Green. So he did make weight. I didn't think he looked horrible. I didn't think he looked good. Um, and then of course we we did just have Misha Tate weigh in at 135 and a half pounds. So um, all the fights besides Steve Garcia and Melky Zayel Costa are official. Um, but yeah, you know, I did have Costa in a lot of my lineups, Jason. So like, I, I was mm. siding with him. I liked the grappling upside in that matchup, and I actually liked him, you know, potentially hurting Steve Garcia. But uh, that fight is scrapped. So now we're gonna have to pivot to some other options. And uh, you know, I, I definitely think that the popular play in the co-main event will be getting to the uh, to the the high floor of Bobby Green, just because you know you have a guy stepping up on short notice kind of gassed out against Dan uh, Dan Hooker previously. And uh, you just see everybody saw him on the scale. He looked bad. So I think Bobby Green for the co-main event is going to be pretty chalky. Yeah, I will tell you this. And now uh, we are in the state of Texas. Get ready for some yeah. split decisions. You know that's going to yeah. happen. That was actually one of the things I was kind of thinking about this morning. It's like, man, do you, do you just throw a little sprinkle, a little sprinkle? Bobby Green wins via split decision. Yeah, I mean – the thing with Bobby Green, right, and I'm actually on the other side of that fight. I, I like Jalen Turner in the fight just because I think we've seen the decline of Bobby Green's chin to a point. Um, as he's aged, he's taken a ton of damage. But he's also defensively reckless. Like he, he, he keeps his hands low, relies on the shoulder roll, the Philly shell a lot. Um, you know, he, he's definitely the higher volume guy. Probably will have the better cardio. Has been fighting top-tier competition just like Jalen Turner. But, like, when he gets hit with power shots, I don't know, man. I've just seen those legs go a little bit too much. And 
I know Turner looked terrible on the scale, um, but we just need a round and a half. In and around half, I, I think it could happen. So, uh, but yeah, Bobby Green screws around too. That's also why I don't want to back him so much if if like the large field is because he's winning a lot of fights and then just starts playing around and uh, then then he ends up you know you know getting just like the tail end of the round getting taken down or or just kind of just screwing around and uh, you know it's ne- it's never comfortable when you're when you're relying on Bobby Green to come through just because you just never know between his defense and also his IQ. Yeah, you know, when, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about that fight, and one of the things to let you know, they're actually both represented by the same management company, so kind of interesting uh, one on that one in terms of it, but, uh, you know, yeah, it, I, I said this on my, on my podcast uh, on Wednesday night, if you told me that Jalen Turner had six to eight weeks prepared for this matchup, I probably would really be in support of him in this one, but to me, it's a short nose. He he is a bigger 55-er. Uh, it does take a lot for him to get down to 55, so uh, we'll talk about that fight here in a moment. Of course, I mentioned about that DraftKings contest. It is live. All you got to do is click right there uh, in the show notes. Congratulations to Gene Holloway, 30, taking it down. Uh, I want to say uh, t- he's taking that contest down multiple times here. Uh, he had uh, five out of six winners uh, in the contest there two weeks goes only loser would being charles johnson but uh, kudos to him i uh, had alien perez in his lineup uh three of his four winners or three of his five winners all had had over 100 points including you think i was gonna forget jose johnson yeah i'll tell you what man my goodness i think i had like two winners in my lineup I, it was not a good lineup for me um you know it just I don't Oof, oh, I I just went down. I mean, I mean, I mean, I did not. I didn't do much better than you. Let's let's just first off, full disclosure, I did not do much better than you. But you were apparently trying to pull a Jason and finishing almost nearly finishing last place in the contest. Hey man, if you ain't first, you're last. So uh, so I I don't know. But hey, I'll tell you what. It, you, it was, uh, you had it was a you, rough week for me. For you, who'd had, I have? You had two winners in the contest. Okay, I told you, you had bro. Uh, one of the winners, Talbot, who only got you sixty-eight points. Was I couldn't believe that. Uh, wait, wait, if I screen refresh, let me let me get back. Let me get back to this lineup here. Uh, you had Euros Medic with his six points. Uh, then you had uh, JSP with forty points uh, and Helger with his fifty points. Even I mean, for a loss, fifty points is not bad, but obviously yeah. not what not what you wanted there. Uh, then you had uh, Machado at thirty six points, uh, and then uh, Aileen Perez was your one was your second winner at eighty eight points. She was. I felt so confident about her, but it's women's MMA, so I tend to not like lock it lock that in. I should have just locked her in in all my lineups because like I you know she she was a slate breaker. Um, but yeah, man, I'll tell you what the the JSP situation was hilarious against Joe Anderson Brito. He's sitting there taking him down, ragdolling him, talking to him, talking trash. Get up, boy! Try to get up! Try to get up and do something. <laughs> Two minutes later, proceeds to get up and choke out JSP. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious, even though as somebody who rostered uh, JSP, like you know, the the fight film, everything I I thought would happen happened. Um, you know, JSP has a tendency to get in his neck caught. I mean, that was just idiotic and, and it was a beautiful ninja choke. It was absolutely beautiful. And, uh, you know, props to Joe Anderson Brito for making one of the most hilarious moments in the UFC history. 
Uh, Paul, appreciate uh, the comment there in the YouTube chat. I always appreciate everyone chiming in here on the Fight HQ podcast as uh, we're going to break this fight card down for you. Now, Pete, as we talk about game theory here and as before we start kind of breaking down the fights here, and, you know, I mean, I, I think when I first started looking at the salaries earlier on this week, I mean, obviously the first thing I started looking for is, okay, who, who are going to be those underdogs? Who are going to be the underdogs I was looking at? And uh, I will tell you the one that I, I immediately looked at, the price point, and we really don't know what he's going to look like at the 135-pound division, the, the price point dives in Figueredo, whether we're talking on DraftKings or on FanDuel, that to me is the, is the one that stuck out to me the most um, in, in terms of the underdogs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know that I'm a big Rob Font guy. I like backing Rob. I'm, uh, I'm cool with Rob. I, I want Rob to win this bout. I think it's a difficult matchup. Um, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity because you are um, you know going up against a former champ and if you get a win over him, it's huge. And uh, on paper, it does look like Rob should be able to do well because he's going to be the bigger guy. Um, and, and sometimes that power is negated when people move up. I just think that Davis and Figueredo, whether it's 125, 135, 145, I think he hits damn hard. I think he hits so hard and he's so opportunistic with his grappling that he can snatch up the neck. He has an excellent guillotine choke. So, um, you know, and, and then you see that Davis and Figueredo is working with Henry Cejudo on wrestling and, mm-hmm. and all that implementing takedowns. And, and it's just like, we've seen Rob struggle in the past against Corey Sanhagen, who I think has developed his skills tremendously. But I mean, it, like Sanhagen in a straight up wrestling match is going to get ragdolled by Henry Cejudo. So like, I mean, that that's kind of like MMA math, but it's also like uh, talking to development. And I think Davis and Figueredo working with Henry Cejudo is massive. Um, so I, I just think like, the weight could make Rob Font super pop. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what ownership is because I feel like sometimes people really overweight the the weight class changes sometimes where like mm-hmm. people are struggling to make limits. Like Davis and Figueredo was struggling to make 125 pounds. I just think that it was the easiest path to you know having the belt. And then when you have all these rematches against Brandon Moreno, I mean, like, he's kind of stuck in that weight class for years upon years. Now he gets to go up there. Hopefully he's going to be refreshed and rejuvenated, have an endless gas tank, and it's a three-round bout. Like, I feel like Davidson's Mm -hmm. work rate is just going to be tremendous. And I want Rob to win. He has an excellent jab, um, but I, I do think it's a very dangerous fight for him. Yeah, if you want to uh, check out our friends over there at Stochastic, their ownership projections are now out. We appreciate everyone that's been taking advantage uh, of the offer that we have uh, in in the show notes. Much appreciated. That's a great way to show your support for what me, me and Pete do here every week. Of course, uh, you know, subscribe to the channel, and uh, you know, not really as surprising that Davison Figueredo is going to be your most popular uh, underdog over there. I mean, I don't think anyone's really surprised by that one. Um, You know, there's a couple of fights that really looking out to me is um, uh, this is boom-bust fight for me. Zach Reese, Cody Brundage, don't feel good either way. I, I don't know what, what does a Zach Reese look like if this fight, if if Cody Brundage is able to weather an early storm for him, get this into the second, maybe even the third round. Uh, that one sticks there. I think Joe Selecki is an interesting GPP play. 
you know, we have seen his ability to control a fight on the ground, but to me, if he can get that submission finish, that's one that kind of sticks out to me just as a GPP play. Of course, we lost the Costa and Garcia fight. That was going to be one that uh, stuck out to me as well. And I don't know, Pete, if you've been monitoring this one this week, the Jamie Lynn Horth and Veronica Hardy betting odds has been fluctuating. So I don't know if there is some tout that put out one side, another tout put out the other side, but this is a thing that I want to say uh, Jamie Lynn started at like minus 175. It got almost to a pick em. Now it's been all the way bet back up. So it's just uh, something to kind of pay attention to over there as well. Um, you know, I will say this in terms of GPPs uh, of high end, Fighters I'm looking at in terms of salaries, uh, Punahele Soriano is one of the guys that I'm looking at, and that's as much of it having faith in, in Puna in this situation. It's also betting against Dustin Stolfus. Yeah, I, I I hear you on that. Um, yeah, I think the Zach Reese Cody Brundage fight is a low level fight. I think that's a Dana White's contender series fight. Um, and mm-hmm. like Zach Reese. Didn't really wow me in his uh, Dana White Contender Series fight. I mean, he he has good submission skills. He's okay with striking. Cody Brundage was probably the better wrestler in this situation and will land the takedown. But I just can't trust Cody Brundage to this point um, to to last 15 minutes. He has been put in terrible positions. Obviously, it's against top-tier competition. I do not hate the absolute punt play of Cody Brundage going out there at 6,900. It, it's just that he is two and four in the UFC. Cedricus Dumas, Adolfo Vieira, Mikhail Olashechuk, three losses. Talk about the previous performance that was technically a win against uh, Jacob Malkoon. Um, Nick Maximov lost. Got a fluky KO over Treshawn Gore and a submission over Dolce Lugambula after getting beat from pillar to post. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not big on this Zach Reese guy either. So, like, I. I don't, I don't really hate the punt play for Cody Brundage out of a good camp. It's just be careful what you play. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. if if you're doing single entry, be careful because it's a fighter that I don't have any faith in. Um, but he is a part of a good camp. But even good camps just can't get through to some people. So um, I'm going to be underweight to that fight, even though I do think it finishes inside the distance. I can see something like Cody Brundage looking really good until he doesn't. And then he gets finished. So, um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, the the line movement of the Jamie Lynn Horth and Veronica Hardy is quite surprising. The physicality is something that I'm always leaning towards in women's MMA, and uh, Jamie Lynn Horth is massive for the division. Uh, Veronica Hardy has that X factor of having Dan Hardy in her corner, like a like a, a great MMA mind. Whenever there's funny line fluctuation and movement. I, I tend to stay away. So I'm probably going to be a little underweight to that fight in hopes that the over hits. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where you stand on some of these fights. Puna's a good, uh, a, a good top end option. I just think he's a little expensive. No, I, I understand that. I mean, and just looking at, and you know, I love to look at 20% and under in terms of ownership projections. And man, there, there are a lot that stick out to me of, man, you know, you know, trying to get some leverage on the field and, and we'll see, we'll get to, uh, into some of these as we do all. Let's get right into the fights here. Of course, our main event, a uh, nice lightweight matchup here as you got Armin Sharukian taking on Benil Dariush. Bill Dariush has a plus 245 betting underdog, minus 300 
for Armin Sarukian. Sarukian is $9,200 on DK, $22 on Fanduel, And for Darius, he is $7,000 on DK and $13 on Fanduel. And, and Pete, I thought it was kind of interesting this week where Darius was, you know, basically kind of taking like, you know, man, like this fight isn't exactly the fight that uh, makes a lot of sense for him. And, and, but yeah. to me, this is very much old school matchmaking by the UFC where we see the UFC go in with this mindset of, okay, we've got that, that vet that's been around for a long time. And we got this up-and-coming rising star. And one of the things as I was looking into the stats on Sarukian and and just kind of thinking about Benil Dariush is, you know, when Sarukian's had success, he's been able to utilize the takedowns. But we also know what Dariush can do on the ground, Pete. Yeah, when I looked at the number and I saw the salaries, I'm like, what the hell is going on with this? Because, like, to me, you're talking about Benil Dariush, who was uh, just fighting Charles Oliveira. And it was, you know very close to, to winning, to, to winning the belt. You know what I mean? Like, and he's always been the dark horse within the division. And, and now all of a sudden he's this massive underdog. It's, it's confusing to me. But then I went back and I watched a fight film and it's like, okay, like Dariush has good takedowns. He has good jujitsu. His, he's a powerful left hand. He likes to kick, but he is susceptible on the feet. Um, he's a little wild. And I do think that the work rate can get to him. I really do. And, uh, you know, when I went back and I watched Armin Sarukian's performance, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, he kind of had a stinker against Joaquin Silva recently. And it's just like he was a massive favorite, should have went in there and made quick work. Eventually he did get the finish, but, like, he got rocked on the feet by a big left hook. And, you know, Benil Dariush has a big, big left hand can see him landing it and hurting Sarukian, but I do think the wrestling is superior for Sarukian. Like I really do. I think that he can he can chain wrestle better. Um we've seen Dariush defend takedowns against uh Mataj Gamrot, but uh I, I did I did see Mataj Gamrot have success when he started to chain. Um and then I went back and I watched the Gamrot and Sarukian fight. That's one hell of a fight. I love that fight. That was an excellent just like high level MMA bout that I think I recommend everybody go back and watch. Um, I just think the wrestling is going to be a lot for Benil Dariush to deal with. And then where like Dariush was the better striker than Gamera on the feet, I still think Sarukian's the better striker than Dariush. So I, I do think that Sarukian's going to have his way in this bout. And I actually think that he finishes him in like round three or round four. Um, it may be tough early, but I do see I do see Benil Dariush getting taxed. This is a guy who hasn't been five rounds in the UFC, so I, I know Sarukian can go five. I know Sarukian can go in there and have a high paced fight as he did against Mataj Gamrat. Um, you know where he defended fifteen takedowns. He was taken down. He was it was a high paced high paced bout. So like I'm I'm okay with getting to uh, to Armin Sarukian relative to the field. And he's going to be the most popular play on the slate. And I agree with it. I really do. I think that he's an excellent play this week from takedowns to KO upside and five rounds to work with. I think he breaks Dariush over five. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking this fight goes a little longer. So, I mean, okay. I, I think on the betting side, maybe looking at the over three and a half, maybe even the over four and a half. I, I think that if you're looking, you know, to me, I, I was kind of looking at Saruki wins by TKO KO just because I, I don't think he necessarily plays on the mat and, and potentially plays mm-hmm. with the jiu-jitsu. Uh, of, you know, Darius, I kind of do feel like this fight does go, um, I, I think at least it's the third round, if not yeah, the fourth. I, 
Yeah, I just think like when you start playing four and a half, like that's dangerous. I I do think the two and a half is 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 like a smart play. Um, and then it's kind of like anybody's game. It could happen early in round three. It could happen at the back half of round three. But I do think that from what I'm seeing of the work rate, Darius is great and he's he's a high level fighter. But I just don't think he has the cardio to last. And he's an older guy. And, and, and you know what I mean? Like, Sarukian's this new age prospect. The UFC knows what they're doing. Dariush can totally win this fight. If you want to get to him, I get it. 7,000, uh, a, a tremendous value for one of the best fighters on the planet. I just think that styles make fights, you know? And uh, we saw Dariush pick up a win over Gamrot. We saw Sarukian technically lose to Gamrot. I, I think Sarukian is going to beat Darius here. Yeah, I just uh, just looking at our best fight odds and uh, Sarukian inside distance plus one ten. Sarukian via TKO KO plus one thirty. I'd rather just take the plus one ten just in case he does submit him. If you're looking yeah. to play that uh, that 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 prop, that's the way I would potentially go. We'll talk about prize picks later on in the show. Let's go over to the co-main event. You got Jalen Turner taking on Bobby Green. Bobby Green plus one seventy five minus two ten for Jalen Turner. Turner eight nine hundred DK nineteen dollars on Fanduel for Bobby Green. He's seventy six hundred on DK. $12 on FanDuel. Of course, he was supposed to take on uh, Dan Hooker initially, and as I recall, it was supposed to be a five-round fight between him and Dan Hooker. Uh, of course, this now will only be a three-round fight between these two guys. Of course, uh, Bobby Green made a little news this week as him and uh, Team Sarukian got into it, which I, I joked to my podcast this week, Pete. I said, I go, so if somehow Bobby Green wins, Armin Sarukian wins, are we magically going to get Armin Sarukian, Bobby Green, UFC Apex headliner, and all of a sudden, magically, the UFC has surveillance camera footage of this brawl. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it would be interesting. I would be down for it, you know. I would be down for it, but technically, for, for rankings-wise, it makes no sense other than building your guy. Um, it, it's just very strange. Listen, we, we're cutting weight. We're all – tension is high. There's a lot on the line. And then you got people they, they put you in the same hotel blocks, and then they, you know what I mean. Like there needs to be way more staffing personnel to ensure that stuff like this doesn't happen, because a lot of these guys are testy, and especially when you start talking about rankings and and camps and you know it, it's just like listen, everybody needs for the most part to be separated and kept separate, um, and it's it's the fight game. It's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm happy that nothing was canceled because of it, because uh, Armin Sarukian did. I watched the video. Armin Sarukian did uh, um, hit Bobby Green in the face. It looked like it was just a slap. But um, yeah, I, I'm just happy that nothing came from it, and that we still have the main and co-main event. Um, but yeah, th this fight between Jalen Turner and Bobby Green super interesting because we have um, we have Jalen Turner stepping up on short notice, cutting a tremendous amount of weight. Didn't have the best cardio in his previous matchup. And Bobby Green decided to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just kind of looking over some various props in terms of this one. And, you know, I, I kind of I, I feel like this, you know, on the betting side, this may be kind of a live betting uh, situation, uh, especially if this fight hits a second. If it gets a third, it's a 1-1. Um, you know, that's where I think you kind of do like Bobby Green a little bit in this situation. I do wonder for, for Turner's camp, maybe, are they going to push a little bit of the takedown aspect of this one and, and you know, try not to get into a straight-up kickboxing matchup? I mean, look, 
Bobby's last fight was kind of an anomaly where he went out there and finished Grant Dawson as quickly as he that's did. That's crazy. just that's just not what we've seen from Bobby Green over the years. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, to me, the longer the fight goes, the more I do favor him. I mean, I'll say this. On the FanDuel side of the equation, Bobby Grant $12, man, is tempting. That is very tempting. He, he, that is a more tempting number than the 7600 over on DK. I mean, I, I see why you would get there, and but I would also say I think – on the turner side of the equation, maybe that's where you got to kind of start looking at the ownership aspect of this and saying, you know, depending on the type of field that you're in, maybe you can find a little bit of leverage on the field. Maybe you think a lot of people are going to side with the Bobby uh, Green side of the equation, and then you go to the Jalen Turner side just to get that leverage. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at ownership right now. I don't think it's correct. It, 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 I personally will be very surprised if Jalen Turner has this massive ownership attached to him, giving all these intangibles. Um if it is in fact correct and we don't get an update pre-lock, it makes Bobby Green very interesting. You know what I mean? It makes yeah. Bobby Green very interesting. There are a lot of things going against Jalen Turner in this situation. I am backing Jalen Turner in the bout. The reason being is he has massive power. You're talking about Luke Rockhold's sparring partner. You're talking about a big guy that has sparred with the likes mm. of all these people who is hurt and dropped Mataj Gamrat. He's... He's been in there with some of the top tier athletes. I thought he was going to mollywop Dan Hooker, and he he head kicked him, and he should have had him out of there. He beat the hell out of Dan Hooker, but he he really just emptied his gas tank and didn't find the finish. And then that you know in the back half of the fight, he just could not keep up. That is my worry with backing Jalen Turner here, and that's kind of to your point where as the fight goes on, Bobby Green's a tremendous live betting and late round type of fighter to come on and hopefully not be behind too much to, to win a decision. But um, yeah, I, I think like this is going to be an action-packed fight. I've seen Bobby Green get hurt and dropped countless times. I kind of think we see Jalen Turner knock him out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you, or, or maybe just drop him and then submit him. He has some, some freaky long arms and can really just mm-hmm. attack the neck really well with head and arm chokes. So he talked about a beautiful Darsh choke. I just think that we could see Bobby Green get slept one way or another here. Yeah, the, the length that Jalen Turner has it for this division, it, it's it's absolutely crazy. And look, he is a guy that does cut a, a decent amount of weight, especially when you're talking about the fact of you know taking this fight on what ten days notice. I want to say is when he mm. took this fight. You know, getting down there that that to me is like if I'm going to offer a concern on Jalen Turner is if this fight hits the third round. Where, where's that gas tank? Especially yeah. if he's going super hard. And, you know, that that's kind of one of those things. And in, in on, the, on the DFS side of the equation, I mean, we just got to kind of think about how the fight can play out. You know, if if he if he's going into this fight thinking, I don't have 15 minutes of cardio, he may go balls to the wall for seven and right. a half minutes. Right. That's what I'm saying. You, I mean, you really only need one shot. And he, he may only need one round. The one thing that I thought was was interesting is I went and I looked at his social media because I want to be like, all right, was this guy even like training? Is this just a paycheck opportunity? He's training. And and I, I was looking at, at his physique. He looks shredded. He looks lean. He looked good. He's wrestling with Deron Wynn, picking Deron Wynn up and slamming Deron Wynn. And Deron Wynn's a fantastic wrestler. And he's doing rounds with him. And I'm seeing him doing lots of wrestling and lots of striking. So I'm like, all right, maybe this is like he declined because he didn't like the, the money. You know, he, he kind of talked about how like he really had no choice after they called him back. And it's just like, eh, it seems like they kind of, they might've added the that, zero or something. That, that could be taken many ways. 
Yes. When you say that, the first thought that came to my mind is it was their way of saying, if you don't take this fight, you're not going to have another fight for four months. I thought about that. And then the the way I kind of – I'm seeing everybody see you know, like interpret it negatively like that. And I thought it could be. But then the more I thought about it, he kind of had a smirk to it. So – I mean, I'm I mean, look, starting it's, to think it's financial. It's a cat and mouse situation. When you know right. you're the guy stepping up on short notice, you know. You got the leverage, and, man. And you're talking about, you know it's a co-main event. And, I mean, look, it's, it's sometimes you got to know how to play the game and, and how to get that additional money out of the UFC. If the UFC wants to keep that fight on the card. And, and obviously, when you're talking about, especially it, it, if this was a UFC Apex card, you don't have leverage. Yeah, good point. When it's, when it's in front of fans, the fighters yeah. do have a, have a little bit of leverage there, and and hopefully we see hopefully we see more uh, fights in front of fans and getting out of the warehouse, as some people like to uh, call it. There, let's move over. Next up, we got the uh, Rob Font taking on Davison Figueredo. Rob Font minus one thirty betting favorite plus one ten for Davison Figueredo. Font eighty eight hundred on DK, sixteen dollars on Fanduel. Figueredo seventy four hundred on DK and twelve dollars on Fanduel. You know, you kind of started talking about this uh, a little bit earlier, and, and I'm in total agreement with you here. Is you know you're talking about where Davison Figueroa trains, and yeah. as I was thinking about this matchup, I'm like, when you think about that fight ready team, like how do they not look at this matchup? And look, we both love Rob, but how do they not look at this matchup and go, Corey Sanhagen on a busted up injured shoulder took down Rob Font seven times and literally Rob had zero offense in that matchup and that's where like I'm looking at this as the underdog situation going like if you're Figueredo I mean I, I know you love to throw hands but man that takedown path is there Pete yeah it definitely is there and I, I think that Davis and Figueredo the powers there will it translate to 135 pounds I think it will I already know that the submission skills are tremendous and I think from a submission aspect, he's clearly superior over Rob Font. Um, from a, a striking, it's interesting because we've seen Sin go with the jab of Brandon Moreno. And Rob Font has an excellent jab. I think the way to counter that jab is to uh, make him worry about the takedowns. Loop shots over top. So like uh, overhand and overhand right over the top. And also really just butcher that lead leg of Rob Font um, to, to make that jab a little bit ineffective and make him a little unstable. I think that I'm back in Davis and Figueredo here, even though personally I'm rooting for Rob. I, I want Rob to win. Um, I want Rob to go out there and, and get a beautiful win. But I just think that from a DFS construction standpoint, I think that the salaries are way too off. I think this is a like a, almost a, it should be an 8,200, 8,000 fight. Like I think it's very, very close. Um, some intangibles surrounding both sides. Will Rob make adjustments? Yes, he made adjustments in previous matchups that he struggled in. Will Davison make adjustments to this new weight class? Yes. Could he look worse? Yeah, he could look better. I think that he's going to look better in this situation. So um, I'm back in Davison Figueredo here at 7,400, despite personally rooting for Rob Font. But I think it's an excellent matchup. What I've been doing lately is if I'm struggling in a matchup and I'm not playing 150 lineups and I'm doing single single entries and you know that fight's going to attract a ton of ownership, maybe maybe pivot. Maybe pivot away from it and, and just put yourself in a safer construction and uh, 
you could get a dud performance, but I do not think that a dud performance for Davis and Figueredo in three rounds is possible. So I'll be going with Figueredo here at 7,400. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely in terms of, you know, favorite underdogs. I know, you know, one of the popular questions we get is about, you know, those value plays. And you start talking value plays. And, you know, even if you if you go up to 7,400 below, Tyson Figueroa to me is going to be one of those guys that I'm going to look yeah. at. And it, it, to me, it's also about knowing that camp and, and knowing the coaches that are in that camp, not just Henry Cejudo, but but everybody that's involved in that fight-ready camp. you got to you know like it there. And, and how does Rob Font bounce back? I mean, that, but I think if you're looking for a leverage spot, on this card, Rob Font may be that leverage spot you look at as a a higher end salary guy. That I mean, look, he's still one of the top guys in, in this division. Next up, we've got Sean Bray taking on Kelvin Gaslam. Kelvin Gaslam back at one hundred and seventy pounds. He is a plus one hundred betting underdog, minus one twenty for Sean Bray. Brady is a two hundred on DK, fifteen dollars on Fanduel for Gaslam. He's eight thousand on DK, fourteen dollars on Fanduel. I mean, I think in terms of a fight aspect, this is probably one of my favorite fights on this card. You know, um, just because of, you know, Kevin Gaslam is one of these guys where, you know, if there was a 175-pound weight class, Kevin Gaslam would be perfect for that weight class. It's just, and he just wasn't big enough at 85. I mean, and he was still competitive at 85, but he just wasn't big enough. And, but to me is, how does, and, and one thing about Kelvin is, if this matchup does hit the ground, I do wonder about how does he handle the jujitsu of Sean Brady. Yeah, that, that's the X factor here. Um, I think that Brady's clearly at a disadvantage on the feet. Uh, I think that was quite exposed against uh, Bilal Muhammad. Um, you know, he really he really struggled when he was unable to get the takedown. He went 0-5 in the takedown department, and Bilal's volume and pressure just broke him. And Bilal's not a finisher. So for that to happen, somewhat of a red flag, if I'm being honest. And, and I, I really like Sean Brady. Um, I like the camp that he's a part of. I think that, you know, regionally he was a guy that dominated with ground control, um, found several submissions in the UFC against Christian Aguilera, low level. Jake Matthews was somewhat surprising given Jake Matthews, uh, his ground skills. Um, nice victory over Michael Chiesa, Ismail Nurdiev, Court McGee, all fighters that he should pick up wins over. Um, it's just like... KG, Kelvin Gastelum has fought everybody. If I went and I listed everybody, he's had, like, it's ridiculous who he's fought. From Robert Whitaker to Jacare to Bisping to Weidman. I can keep going on. Tyron Woodley, he's been in dogfights between welterweight and middleweight. And I hopefully think that he's figured out the the welterweight uh, weight cut. Um, He did look good on a scale. Um, this is a guy that has fought some tremendous names of guys who have tried to take him down. Ian Heinish has tried to take down Robert Whitaker, Jacare Souza, Chris Weidman. Um, I worry about the jujitsu. I do, Jason. I think it's a fair point because when he is taking down, it's not his best his best attribute. It's it's somewhat of a weak point. We've seen him lose to Jack Hermanson via heel hook. We've seen him lose to Chris Weidman uh, to an an arm triangle choke and. You know, if Sean Brady has anything, he has excellent chokes. So an excellent mounted guillotine, excellent head and arm chokes. Um, I I worry about that. But I also think that the striking difference is so massive that Kelvin Gaslam could really knock out Sean Brady or just uh, sprawl and brawl his way to a 15-minute dominant decision. So I, I have to pick Kelvin Gaslam here. 
even though I think it's a it's an excellent buy low spot on Sean Brady, who I'm still relatively high on, it's just like, is it too much to give him a guy who's fought everybody in Kelvin Gastelum? So I, I think it is. Uh, I'm going to be side with Kelvin Gastelum here at eight thousand. But if you are, you know, in disagreement with me, I think that the the this fight in general is just a value fight. So I think you have to get to it one way or another. 8,200 for Sean Brady is fine, but this could get, come down to damage versus control. And I hope Kelvin Gastelum does not get submitted because I think that if he doesn't get submitted, he wins this fight. Look, I'll tell you the one prop that has been sticking out to me all this week on this one. And, you know, uh, you bring up some great points to how this could end via finish. I'm seeing plus 110 fight goes the distance. Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I definitely don't hate it. Um, we, You know, we've seen... It's just like Sean Brady, he looked bad against Bilal Muhammad. Bilal's yeah. damn good. He's very good. But when you have a, a non-finisher finish you, and Kelvin Gastelum has excellent power, I mean, this is a guy that's knocked down Jacare Souza, Michael Bisping, Weidman, Vitor Belfort, Tim Kennedy, Neil Magny. You know what I mean? Like Those are all fighters he's knocked down. If he can just sprawl and brawl, I think that it's his fight to lose. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just one of those things of I, I've battled myself on whether I like this fight for GPP or not. You know, I just, mm. why, why, I just, why is it? I see the winner getting like seventy points, seventy five points. I hear you, and, and the reason you're not wrong, and I, I that's what I like. I think the initially I was fading the fight, and then. The more I start looking at these underdogs, I can't get behind many of them. Yeah, so I, it's just like it's a close fight, yeah, and I, I mean, want to I, I want to I want to spend up and get some of these nine thousand high eight thousand options. So it's just like, what do I do now? And I really do think that Kelvin Gastelum, you know, every fight starts standing up. I as long as he's not put in a on his back <clears throat> in a terrible submission spot, I think he's going to be okay. This is my fear with this fight in terms of of a of a DFS aspect is it just stays on the feet for 15 minutes and we have no knockdowns and can the winner get to 80 points? You think Brady could last 15 minutes on the feet with him? I don't know if he can. I mean, I, I think, I think it depends on, can he, can he make this a fight up against the fence and, and grind mm. on, on him? You know, I mean, look, I, I've seen Sean Brady fight from his regional days. I mean, I, I I'll, I'll never forget. I called his fight against uh colton smith which was uh it was supposed to be a cffc show but it ended up being a showgun fight show and uh and i remember going into that it was the word was if he goes on puts a highlight performance he's getting in the ufc that never happened Mm, i remember you telling me that i think i i I remember remember eddie Eddie alvarez played a major role in uh sean brady getting into the ufc well it all helps, right? I mean, by, by, by the way, what's it? Is it? Is it? Uh, yes, tomorrow night you got uh, Eddie Alvarez versus Mike Perry in BKFC. I know. I I don't know. I was looking at that. I don't know how to feel about that. I do think that Eddie's probably the cleaner boxer, but I just think that Mike Perry's built for for bare knuckle. I really do. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You know what I mean? Like, there's few You're people like. I just think that that's his niche, and, and like I, I don't think that Eddie. I think Eddie's a tremendous fighter, 
Um, and I think that he could land some combos. I just worry about the durability. Yeah, my uh, my understanding is Mike Perry makes more money in BKFC than he ever did in the UFC, which is it, it, crazy. Hey, kudos to him. Yeah, yeah, kudos yeah. To him. Get, get those deals when you can, fighters. Get them I feel when like you he's can. been in BKFC for five years. And what, he has three fights? He's got uh, Luke Rockhold, uh, Julian Lane. Luke Rockhold, Julian Lane, and uh, somebody else he beat the hell out of. He's uh, He's been out of the UFC for some time. Just pulling up his topology. Um, I really think it's only like three fights. The last time Mike Perry fought in the UFC was 2021. Uh, since then, he fought in triad combat, and he's had one, two, three. This will be his fourth BKFC fight. Okay. So who is it? Julian Lane, Luke Rockhold, and who? Michael, Michael Page. Page. That's right. That shit. I who, couldn't believe that. Who, by, by the way, if you saw the screenshots that are out there, it looks like the UFC, uh, if they can get this deal finalized with Michael Page, they're looking to do Michael Page versus Kevin Holland. And I am surpri- I, I'm surprised by that matchmaking. I would have bet money they were going to put him up against a Russian wrestler uh, to test his wrestling. But I guess it once again shows uh, if you can strike, the UFC will uh, we'll make sure they get you the right matchups. Yeah. It's true. And I would imagine, even though I know that they are they have become very good friends or buddy-buddy situation, I'm sure the UFC would love to do Michael Page versus Stephen Thompson. I was just going to say. I, but Page and, to, yeah, Page and Thompson have kind of come close over the last uh, year or so. So we'll, we'll see what happens yeah, that's there. That's a fight to make. Yeah. Let's get back to the fights here. we got Joaquin Silva taking on Clay Guida. Clay Guida is a plus 255 betting underdog, minus 320 for Silva. Silva is 9100 DK, $21 on FanDuel. For Clay, he is 7100 DK, $8 on FanDuel. Uh, Clay is uh, basically trying to let everyone know that retirement is not on his mind, even though Clay, you are on the back nine, bro. You are on the back nine, Clay. Yeah, I mean, so what I do is I, I look at all the fight film and then I, I, you know, make my initial reads and then figure out who I, who I like in the fight. And then I go and I look at the salaries and I see, okay, well, where could I talk myself into some underdogs? And I was trying to talk myself into Clay Guida. I just can't do it. Uh, and, and, you know, on paper, you can see that he's been the distance quite a lot. And, um, you know, his durability is checked out for the most part, you would think. And then you go back and you watch some fight film. And, man, that Leonardo Santos fight, he hurt him to the body, I don't know how many times, rocked him, had him out, I don't know how many times, like so close. The referee, for whatever reason, didn't step in. We've seen Clay Guida's durability and chin somewhat deteriorate over time, as expected. You know what I mean? He He's had a tremendous career. This is a guy who is – an overhand away from winning a fight, a couple takedowns away from winning a round or about. He's just very skilled and very game. And if you are, you know, lacking any cardio, he'll he'll win the bout. He'll he'll win the bout. So like, I don't hate the complete punt play of seventy one hundred Clay Guida. I just think that Joaquin Silva, he looked really good against Armin Sarukin until he got dumped on his head and then elbowed into oblivion. Um, he hurt him. I think that he's going to hurt Clay Guida here. If you can develop a sprawl and a guillotine choke, I think that you can threaten Clay Guida and get him out of there. For the longest time, he was uh, super susceptible to getting submitted. You know, all these years at Team Alpha Male have definitely made his guillotine submission defense better. But I just think that one way or another, you can get him out at this stage of the game. And I think you got to just show him the door, even though it hasn't happened. I think that Joaquin Silva can get him out. Um, or at least damage him enough to win a decision. So 
I'll be picking Joaquin Silva here at 9,100. Um, if he doesn't find an early KO, then I just think that he uh, he's definitely the more damaging fighter over 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I just it's tough for me to buy Quigley at this point. I, I yeah. just, you know, I mean, we, we've seen how this goes in, in mixed martial arts, and I do feel like this is a little bit of that kind of a, a showcase matchup for Silva more than maybe trying to get the, the veteran a win here. Next up, we got Punahela Soriano taking on Dustin Stolfus. Stolfus, a plus 260 by the underdog, minus 330 for Puna. Puna 9400 on DK, $21 on FanDuel, and Dustin is 6800 DK, $9 on FanDuel. And, uh, you know, this is... To me, this is a as much of it, and I know you said a little bit earlier. You kind of the pricing is what kind of scares you a little bit. I'll put Hell Soriano here at ninety four hundred here, but like to me, this is as much of betting against Dustin Stolfus as it is betting on Punahel Soriano going out there and getting a hundred point performance. Yeah, you know, I like Punahel Soriano, and I like the camp. I love Extreme Couture. I think that he's underperformed in certain situations. Massive, massive power guy. Was a guy that you know has been able to end fights relatively quickly because of his power. As he gets stretched over 15 minutes, you've seen that he is somewhat susceptible to takedowns, despite having a good wrestling background. Um, if you have a guy that can chain wrestle really well, you can beat Punahela Soriano. Uh, we we saw Romakopulov finish him. That was that was beautiful. So that seems like somewhat of an, an anomaly. Brendan Allen and Nick Maximoff just completely outworked him. You know. Uh, the fight against Dolce Lugambula is a guy that I think is really low level, and it he made it a little interesting, and Puna eventually did get the, the finish in the second round, but I was hoping that was going to be a little bit easier, especially because they trained with one another, but who knows? Maybe they were too friendly. Um, I think Puna wins, but I do think that Dustin Stolzfus from a takedown aspect can make things interesting. I don't like him. I don't like him to win the bout, but I can see him possibly hugging Punahela Soriano for long enough to make him not optimal. Uh, but ultimately, I do think Punahela Soriano finds a finish uh, at 9,400. You know, this is a guy who scored 87 against Dolce Lugambula and then his other victories in the UFC, 123 and 127, Oscar Pejota and Dosko Todorovic. So if he scores a first-round KO, my man will probably be in that 120-point territory. Um, I'm thinking it's second round. So... Uh, uh, give me Punahela Soriano inside the distance, 9,400. Uh, but, yeah, I just think he's a little expensive, especially when I hate a lot of underdogs. Yeah, no, I get you. You know, it's it's where I, when I was hand-building a, a cash lineup, I was, you know, I kind of started with Davison Figueredo, and, and I was able to work it up to it. I mean, there were some, there's just, there is some high-end options that I do scare. We're going to talk about Zachary's here in a little bit. That That's a high-end option that definitely concerns me. Uh, next up, we got a female matchup. we got Julia Avila taking on Misha Tate. Misha Tate is a plus-120 betting underdog, minus-140 for Julia Avila. Avila, A700 on DK, $17 on FanDuel. Tate, $7,500 DK, $12 on FanDuel. A lot of speculation out there about this matchup and kind of the future of both fighters in, in terms of this one. Uh, you know, Tate did make weight, uh, right as you said, make it right there at the buzzer to make weight here. But uh, this is a, a matchup that for GVP speed, I'm just not all about. Yeah, I mean, I am. And the only reason I am is because I'm desperate for some underdogs. And like, they both have so many intangibles attached to them, like Julia Vila. Coming off of a knee injury, I believe it was her ACL, pregnancy, so having a baby, absence from the cage, being over 200 pounds. I mean, that's that's all understandable. You had a kid. 
now cutting down 135 pounds. Um, it's been some time. But, man, her last fight was in 2021 against Yulia Stoliarenko, who, very dangerous early, super volatile as the fight goes on. So, like, in any of these fights, the probably the most impressive win is in Avila's debut against Panny Kianza, who's a fighter that I think is pretty solid. Um, pretty solid everywhere. But Gina Mazzani, not impressive. And Yulia Stoliarenko, hmm okay that's okay but losing to sajara eubanks getting outworked in the third round by a cardio deficient fighter is somewhat of a red flag for me and i know that avila has aggressive aggressive striking um solid jujitsu solid wrestling offensively i think that she swims her punches and she blitzes forward a lot which could actually make things a little bit easier for me she take to land takedowns Whereas Lauren Murphy, down a weight class, experimenting a weight class below, sticking and moving, defending takedowns well, reversing position, makes things a little bit harder. But like we even saw like Misha Tate look damn good in her return um, when, when she beat Marion Renault, absolutely dominated her. Renault's always struggled against people who can mix it up. But like going up five rounds against Caitlin Vieira, landing a takedown and doing quite well, having three minutes of control time. Landing 122 of 270 significant strikes, like scoring 63 in a loss. She went 25 minutes with Caitlin Vieira, who's one of the best women's mixed martial artists on the on the on the planet. So, like, I hold that in pretty high regard. I understand that she's talking about retirement and says that she could always be one fight away, and there's speculation that this is it. Listen, I'm desperate for an underdog. It's women's MMA. Avila has as many red flags as Misha Tate. I don't necessarily understand the the difference in the odds. I think it's because Misha Tate went down to 125, lost, and is now coming back. So ultimately, people think that uh, the the fighter who's accustomed to 135 is going to win. I just think it's close, man. I think it's close. It's going to be a dogfight. Misha Tate's going to throw. She's a part of Extreme Couture. Give me her to edge out Avila in a decision. And I think it's going to be an ugly fight. But I, I think that Misha Tate, if I'm wrong, I'm okay with it because this week's the underdogs are awful, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so give me uh, Misha Tate here at 7,500. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of GDP, if you told me I had to roster one of these fighters, I would much rather roster uh, Misha Tate than I would rather uh, roster. Yeah, yeah, raise that seat up a little bit, okay? Yeah, I, I, I saw. I'm gonna I throw saw, it out the window in two minutes. I saw you sinking down a little bit. I was, Bro, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this seat out the window in two minutes because uh, I, I, was, I was like I was like hold on I'm pretty sure it, I don't have Pete's head framed that low in the no, shot. No, bro. It, listen, if you've been a fan, if you've been a fan or a, a part of the community for a while, you guys have seen me sinking in this chair for years upon years. So, um, yeah, I mean, this ain't nothing new. I mute myself. I. I bring my chair back up and then we get right back to business. That's just how it is here at the fight HQ podcast. And if you're still hanging out and listening to us, we can hit that like button, try to get us over a hundred likes. We really appreciate that. Uh, apologies for the delayed show this week. Um, but yeah, if you could subscribe to the channel, share our content, we really appreciate it. Engage with us in the discord, which is free to join. It's a hell of a time here at fight HQ. And we, we we're really appreciative for everything. The next fight, I feel like if we're going to label a fight a boom-bust fight of the week, I feel like this is going to be that fight of Zach Reese and, and Cody Brundage. Uh, Reese a minus 245 betting fair, plus 200 for Cody Brundage. Brundage is 6900 on DK, $9 on FanDuel. Reese, 
9300 TK, $20 on FanDuel. And, um, Pete, I thought you really labeled out earlier on the show. Like, this does feel like it's a contender series type matchup. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at you look at questions on both sides of the equation and, and I've, I've had a chance to talk to Cody many times. Um, you know, so, you know, I mean, look, you, like the one fight that always sticks out to me is that Dolce fight where Dolce is just, I mean, piece him apart. And then he, for whatever reason has just awful fight IQ goes for a takedown and kudos to Cody Brunish for, for catching him in, in the submission there. And, and on the other side with Zach Reese, it's like you see the great upside of a potential first round finish, but it's also that thought process of, We've, we've seen Cody be able to weather storms. And if he weathers a five-minute storm from Zach Reese, what does a second-round Zach Reese look like? Yeah, we really don't know. You know, we really don't know. And I was just looking real quick on social media to see where Zachary Reese trains. And he did the majority of this camp at Bang Tao. And Bang Tao's a phenomenal gym. And I saw Andre Petrosky was a training partner there with him as well. So, you know, it's interesting, right? Like if he's training with Andre Petrosky, that I do like the, the fact that either Petrosky's ragdolling you in practice or you're going to get better. And you you might not have any any option other than getting better training with Andre Petrosky, who's just a, a suffocating grappler, whereas Cody Brundage can get takedowns. Um, and I think that's where he can win this fight. So like as a punt play, why do I feel like I want to get to more Cody Brundage? You know, like if I'm, pay, if I'm playing 150, let me see what this ownership's at for Cody Brundage. Yeah, I'm probably getting at least 5 to 10% more ownership on Cody Brundage than what the field is if I'm playing 150. I haven't decided if I am this week. Um, but this fight seems like a stay away. I, I think the way that I was talking about it earlier, whereas Brundage will get a takedown early, look really smart as the fight goes on, weather an early storm. As the fight goes on, I just think he might make a boneheaded decision and either get hurt on the feet or subbed. And the issue is where he does seem apt to tap really quickly. Uh, this kid, Zachary Reese, has some solid jiu-jitsu off of his back. So I, I really don't know what to tell you guys other than this is a volatile fight. I hope it was scrapped. It's not. I'm still picking Zachary Reese to win the bout. But as far as like absolute dart throws to win a decision, Cody Brundage is a part of a really good team. And this will be his last opportunity in UFC if he does not win. I, I can almost assuredly say that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with this fight. Give me Zachary Reese to win. I think he finds a way to win, but I'm, I'm going to pivot elsewhere. I just think it's going to be a super weird situation. Yeah, I mean, it's just you're not going to feel good about putting Cody Brunch in just because of, of the way his UFC run has gone to this point. I mean, look, you do love the, the fight camp that he's at, and I think if you're going to roster Cody Brunch, I think the thought process has to be that you feel like he's going to get this fight into the second round. I mean, this is one of those things of like, you know, th this could be a over one and a half rounds. I mean, and this is, could be a, a potentially a great live betting situation uh, of seeing how the first round goes and, and maybe do a live bet on one way or the other. I mean, I, I do feel like if this hits the second, even hits the third round, I do feel like it's a little bit of an advantage for Cody Brunich. Next up, we got Chakar Close. Take it on Joe Selecki. Selecki, a plus 110 betting underdog, minus 134. Chakar Close. Close is 8,300 DK, 15 on Fandle for Selecki. 7,900 DK, $13 on Fandle. And, you know, we've seen Joe Selecki be able to use that grappling game that he does have. And, you know, when we're looking at, you know, GPP upside, Selecki is one of those guys and just thinking about, man, we've, we've seen him be able to control guys on, on the mat is if he can somehow get that submission, he may be kind of that, that sneaky GPP play this week, Pete. 
Yeah, he's sneaky, but like this is a fight I'm really struggling with. And I think that whenever people or analysts don't, they're not honest with you in, in saying that they struggle with certain bouts. I think it's just like a red flag. And Jason and I tell you all the time about how we're, we're struggling with certain fights and how they're going to go. I think that this could go many ways. Drakkar Close is clearly the better striker. Um, and it's almost similar to the Kelvin Gastelum and Sean Brainy fight. Whereas like Joe Selecki is a suffocating grappler who likes to take the back. You know, um, we have a, uh, a very dangerous opponent in Drakkar Close on the feet. What happens? What happens if Selecki is, is forced to stand up? I think that Selecki is going to lose majority of the bout on the feet. Mm-hmm. The issue is I've seen Drakkar Close get his back taken. And that's the issue here is that you have Selecki. He's a very good back taker. And when you have a guy who's good at – very skilled at getting to the back, he'll even get the back from like side control. He, he passes well. He does everything really well. The second you kind of overcommit to one side or another, he's looking to take your back. And that's that's where, like, I don't think that he'll necessarily finish Dracar close, but I think that he could put him in some compromising situations. Whereas, like, close is like having to come de- come back and uh, try to win rounds. And it comes down to, again, damage versus control. But I don't know, man. Like, Selecki had Carl Deaton's back for the whole first round, didn't get it. Until the second round, he looked he looked really good in doing so. Uh, he had Jim Miller. This is years ago now, in 2021, in a ton of bad spots. I thought that he was actually going to be able to finish Jim Miller. He wasn't. Um, Jakar Close hasn't been subbed. He's only been knocked out. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know how this is going to go. I think that the grappling control of Sean Brady and Selecki could actually limit the upside of their opponents. Does that make sense? Where it's like they could have control time and that control time could limit the finishing upside and also the volume of their opponent. And that's why you could have some lower scores than typical, uh, typical fights for those fighters. So like, I guess I'm going to pick your car close to win a decision, but uh, this is one of the, the most difficult fights for me to break down. And uh, I think Selecki should be one of the most exposed underdogs on the slate, given his mm-hmm. knack for taking the back and grappling skills. Yeah, I mean, to me, in terms of rostering one guy or the other, I'd much rather get to rostering a Joe Selecki in this situation just because of that control time points that you could get, takedowns. You know, he's yeah. not your your typical, you know, double leg, single leg guy takedown. So, um, you know, Jakar Close, I think the question is he probably probably wants to try to keep this fight on the feet and try to pick Joe Selecki apart across the feet. Next up, we got uh, Rodolfo taking on Poterio. Poterio plus 300 betting underdog, plus 400 for Rodolfo. Rodolfo, 9620 Three dollars on Fanduel, and then uh, Paterio six six hundred DK eight dollars on Fanduel. I mean, look, I, I Pete, I, I'm I, I see the upside of Ehor, you know, first round upside, but that's about it I see from him in this one. Yeah, I think that the the odds are correct. It's just that they've been overblown. Like Hadolfo Bellato at ninety six hundred for his UFC debut is a little much. I mean, we saw him on the Contender Series against Vitor Petrino. Um, he was winning that bout, and then he got knocked out again against Vitor Petrino. That's twice now. Um, but he, he's very good on the feet. I think that, you know, standing up, he is somewhat on the center line, so he can be hit with counter shots. I think that he has very, very good grappling as well, so good jiu-jitsu skills. He can mix things in really well. 
it just comes into a price point situation. Is Ihor Poteria a guy that that can actually knock him out? I don't think so, but I also didn't think that he was going to knock out Shogun Hua. But to that point, it is Shogun in 2023. But my goodness, my, how the mighty have fallen! They tried to give Shogun a, a you know, a layup, and uh, he was un, unable to 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 pick that win up. So I'm back in Hadolfo Bellato here. Massive price tag should be a hundred points. Um, anything less than a hundred points at 9600 is a massive disappointment. So I'm probably going to pivot to other fighters within that nine upper eight thousand range, just because of the price and because of my like I don't want to roster Cody Brundage in a single entry personally, so there aren't too many other fighters that low on the salary that I'll get to to be able to give me the flexibility to get the uh, Dolfo Bellato at 9600. So Bellato wins, Bellato inside the distance. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not going to back Ihor Poteria until he gives me a reason to. No, no, exactly. No reason to back him in that situation. Uh, next up, we got Wellington Thurman taking on Jared Gooden. Gooden is a my, plus 170 betting underdog, minus 200 for Thurman. Thurman, 9,000 DK, $19 on FanDuel for Gooden. He's 7,200 on DK, $11 on FanDuel. I will say this. I will give Jared Gooden's management a lot of kudos for getting him these opportunities. Um, I, I just think this is Wellington Thurman's fight to lose. Yeah, I, I actually really like Wellington Thurman here. I, I'll tell you, I really do. Um, to share MMA is a, is a team that I think is somewhat on the rise and, uh, you know, here in Connecticut, I'm not just being biased. Um, Rodolfo Bellato is actually kind of, uh, cross-trained at the share MMA as well. So between Alex Pereira, um, you know, Glover Teixeira and now Wellington Terman, like there are a lot of fighters there that you don't even know about that are really, really good. I think that the striking development that I've seen from Wellington Terman on social media is massive. I think that his Muay Thai has gotten exponentially better since he's trained at uh, Teixeira MMA. It's so it's so cool because like you had Teixeira MMA, who was known as a boxing and jiu-jitsu gym, now start incorporating a lot of Muay Thai because of what Alex Pereira has brought to the table. So you're seeing this evolution within this this Connecticut MMA scene. I'm telling you, I think Wellington Terman might be one of my favorite sneaky 9,000 options on this slate. Uh, previously against Randy Brown and Andre Petrosky, he was not impressive. And he was only able to land one takedown, and that was against Andre Petrosky. But I actually think that this might be a breakout performance. I think Jared Gooden is super hittable. Um, I think that outside of the Nick Stolze fight, that he is... He's live to just get beaten everywhere from takedowns to on the feet. I think he's going to get knocked out if I'm being honest. I think that his head is so, so like stationary that it makes it very easy for his opponents. Um, and I've seen him wobble and have shaky legs numerous times from the regional scene to the UFC. I, li- I like Jared Gooden, um, but I just do not like this matchup. I think that Wellington Terman is going to uh, to finish him. And I actually think he's going to probably have his highest score inside the UFC yet because 73, 74, 81 is not going to cut it at 9,000. I, I think we need 100-plus. And my bold call of the week is that Wellington Tournament is going to do that. He's going to get 100-plus. 
Yeah, I like Thurman in this spot as well. I mean, to me, uh, if you tell me I can play one 9,000 option, I think Wellington Thurman would be my my one 9,000 option I would be looking to play. Then our opening matchup of the night, Jamie Lynn Hort taking on Veronica Hardy. Hardy is a plus 155 betting underdog, minus 185 for Horth. Horth is a 500 DK, $18 on FanDuel. Hardy is $7,711 on FanDuel, Pete. Another fight I'm struggling with, you know, like another fight I'm struggling with because in women's MMA, I take physicality into uh, great consideration and Jamie Lynn Horth is massive. I do not know how these two fighters are in the same weight class. I really don't. Um, it's it's quite interesting. Um, you know, we, we did have Jamie Lynn Horth step up on a weight class higher against Haley Cohen and she was able to, to pick up the win. She scored 67 in that fight. Um, the issue here is like her knack for throwing kicks and getting them caught. And Veronica Hardy comes from a very t- talented Taekwondo background where she can kick and catch kicks. Uh, working with Dan Hardy, her her husband, is um, I think it is an X factor. I really do. I think that's a great MMA mind to have in your, in your corner um, and in the preparation to a fight doesn't necessarily make me pick her it makes me just think that she's going to have moments and have a good game plan i still think she can get out muscled um veronica hardy really had a a breakout performance against uh, juliana miller which really surprised me because maybe i was too high on juliana miller coming off the the you know the ultimate fighter she looked terrible and, and it made veronica hardy look like a, a, a championship contender um, four or four in the takedown department there. Uh, top control was seven and a half minutes. Outside striking was great. Footwork was great. She made Juliana Miller look like an amateur. She really did. It was a perfect game plan. Now here against Jamie Lynn Horth, if they do clinch up, I feel like Horth is just too physical to to get taken down from some of these takedown attempts. I think that you know her being a brown belt helps as well. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be picking Jamie Lynn Horth to win a decision. But it's a fight where, like, I wanted to t- to make a stand one way or another. I wanted to find an underdog, so I was initially on Veronica Hardy. And the more I started to think about, well, what happens when they clinch up? And I don't know, man. I- I'm siding with Jamie Lynn Horth at 8,500, but I think that Veronica Hardy for a low-level women's MMA bout, similar to like, you know, Misha Tate. Even though know, Misha Tate that that bout's a lot higher level, women's MMA in general needs to be a part of your your underdog player pool. It just has to be. Yeah, we, we've seen it happen so many times when Underdog comes in and cash. Let's get into our straight-up fight picks here. The main event, uh, I would go with the favorite, Armin Sarukian. Yeah, I'm going to go with Armin Sarukian as well. Uh, I will go in the co-main event. Give me Underdog number one. I'm going to say Bobby Green pulls it off. Uh, I'm going to go Jalen Turner. Give me Underdog number two and Divison Figueredo. Divison Figueredo. This next one I've, I've gone back and forth on. Give me Sean Bray. Don't feel great about it. Give me Kelvin Gaslam. Don't feel great about it. Right. Uh, next up, uh, give me Joaquin Silva. Joaquin Silva. Give me Punahana Soriano. Punahana Soriano. I'll go underdog number three, Misha Tate. Yeah, man. Misha Tate. Let's go. Uh, once again, that's something I don't feel good about, but uh, I got to go Zach Reese just because I think the striking in the opening round, he takes out Brundage. Yeah, I'm going to go Zach Reese. Uh, give me underdog number four, Joe Selecki. God. Jakar close, I guess. 
Yeah. I mean, look, it's, you know, don't feel, I don't know how many times I've got four plus underdogs <laughs> taking here in a straight yeah. up pick. So, uh, I'll go Rodolfo. I think he, he wipes it clean. Yeah. Rodolfo Bilotto for me. Uh, Thurman. Yep. Wellington Thurman for me. And I'll go Horth, but don't mind Hardy as an underdog play. Yeah. Same. Jamie Lynn Horth for me. Gets uh, some questions in here. Go over to the score here. I know some uh, questions came in. Value plays underneath 8K on DraftKings, core plays on DraftKings, and FanDuel cheapies. Uh, I'll start with the FanDuel cheapies here on this one, Pete. Um, yeah, I, there are, I think, several good options over there. Bobby Green at $12. Diverson Figueredo at $12. Uh, I don't mind Misha, Misha Tate at $12. Um, Cody Brunch would be a straight-up punt play at $9 over there. I mean, I think there's a lot of good options over there on FanDuel. Um, you know, looking at cheapies over in terms of DraftKings, speed. I mean, look, I, I figure it was going to be a popular play. Um, I, I think if you're looking at some other uh, potential options, um, I think you got to look at Misha Tate, potential takedown upside. You know, she gets racks some points that way. Uh, same as I said on FanDuel, Brunch, that's a, just a straight-up punt play. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I don't, you know, if she was, if her salary was less than 7700 I, I would look at Veronica Hardy, but I just think the salary is a little too high for me. Yeah, on FanDuel, I don't think you got to get too crazy because you already listed off two fighters that are $12 that I like, you know, Figueredo and Misha Tate. So I don't think you need to get to the Cody Brundage as on DraftKings, it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, a platform that favors grapplers, um, a platform where, the high-priced options are somewhat a necessity from card to card. Um, you know, that's where a punt play and a loss could actually work out. So I think from under the 8,000 mark, I think that, you know, Bobby Green's going to be – he has a lot going for him in this matchup against Jalen Turner. I'm on the other side of it. Misha Tate and Figueredo are kind of like one and two for me. Um, and then outside of that, it's like, all right, where are you going next? And I think the where you go next is between Veronica Hardy and Selecki. Anything super cheap is just volatile for me. Not a fan of Jared Gooden. Not a fan of Clay Guida. Not a fan of Dariush. Not a fan of Stolzfus, Poteria. And Brundage is like that question mark. You know what I mean? Like maybe. Maybe. But I just cannot back him and give you guys a uh, a confident stand and say, yeah, put Cody Brundage in your lineup because I just don't think that he's got it. He, it whenever it's a gut check, he seems to, to, to wilt under pressure. Uh, you know, it's looking at some leverage plays. Uh, that was another question that came in. Uh, Rob Font to me is potentially the leverage play of the week just because of, you know, I, I talk about the show all the time uh, of finding those fighters who are like 87, 88 and above and saying, okay, who's just not getting ownership to me? That's a Rob Font this week. Uh, Kevin Gaston could be a very interesting, um, uh, leverage play this week as well. If he's That's able great. to score some knockdowns. Um, you know, but I, I'll, I'll say this, you know, my concern with that fight, Pete, is, is that it's, you don't have takedowns, you don't have knockdowns and is there enough volume to really make him optimal? Yeah. I mean, I get it, but like, I don't think that he should be on the bottom end, the bottom 10, as far as ownerships. Why we're talking about a pick em fight guys. You know what I mean? Like it's a pick em. And a lot of times we see like just odds and ownership attract to the 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 hyped up prospects you know i think it is a buy low spot for sean brady i do but i just i think that he has to answer some questions and uh, the striking questions are huge 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, take down upside in terms of this one. Like, how do you not look at Diveson Figueroa after what we saw happen in Rob Fonson's yep. fight? Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I, yeah, it's a very good point. Adolfo Bellato, um, it, next to his striking and everything, you know, Wellington Terman. Um, I actually think Misha Tate. That's her way to win the bout. Like, she has to get takedowns. Like her standing on the on the outside. That's a that's a, a fight that tilts in Avila's favor. She needs to to land t- takedowns and put her on her back. So I think that she's in a good spot. So for underdogs with takedowns, it it clearly is Misha Tate and Davison Figueredo. And then I guess it's Selecki too, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure that's who you're gonna gonna say because Selecki needs to do that. Mm-hmm. He cannot strike with with Dracar close. No, no, no question. Uh, next one is about ranking the nine K options. So we've got one, two, three, four, five. We got six nine K options. Um, I mean, look, I, I think like if I'm starting going six and up, Pete, I think I, I'm looking at putting Reese. I would probably go Silva six, Reese five, then I probably go Bellato four. Soriano three, Sarukian two, and Thurman one. Yeah, all right. So uh, going back, I'm going to go – I'm slightly different than you. I'm going to say Zach Reese is the worst one just because I just don't know what he's going to look like. Um, so I'm going to say that he's six. I'm going to say that Soriano's five for me. Um, and then I'm going to say Joaquin Silva is four. Bellato's three. Wellington Terman's two and Sarukian's one. Uh, one uh, question was uh, over in the YouTube chat was asking about uh, DK or excuse me, FanDuel captain options, and you know, really, I will say this: when it comes to FanDuel, I think sometimes you just you just can't overthink it in terms of captain. You just got to kind of go out there. And uh, to me, my my top two I'd be looking at uh, would be Thurman and Soriano. Um, Soriano's $21, Thurman's $19. So maybe you go Thurman just to save yourself $2 over there. But to me, I just, I, I just don't want to overthink it. What's, uh, what's Sarukian's captain? Sarukian is, I think 20 is 22. Yeah. I'm putting him in the captain. I try to put the best plays in the captain. I used to do it where like you, you put the value spots and, you know, I try to put who you think is going to score the most points. Like yeah. on the entire slate, you may be wrong, but I would say percentage wise and probability wise, pray to play the probability game. And I think that Sarukian probably has the highest chance of scoring the most on the entire slate. Looking over at prize picks, we start to wrap up the show. Uh, looking at the takedowns, we've only got three props out there on takedowns. We got Armin Sarukian, two and a half takedowns. Sean Brady, one and a half takedowns. Wellington Thurman, one and a half takedowns. I mean, the Sarukian one, I think that's a underplay more than it is an overplay in, in terms of that, or more or less. Uh, they're more or less. I would I would go, personally, I would lean less than two and a half takedowns uh, on Sarukian. Um, the Sean Brady one and a half, man, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting that's one. That's why I'm like, it is interesting. I, I think, like, if he does he need more than one if he gets one? I think that he might. I mean, the X factor is also that Kelvin Gastelum's at fight ready. So, like, that's a tremendous wrestling camp. It really is. So, that's why I really think it's a tough matchup for Sean Brady. 
Yeah, looking over at fight time, um, I would say my leans would be more than 12 and a half fight time minutes on Rob Font, uh, more than 10 and a half fight time minutes on Jalen Turner. Um, and then, man, there's some lines that, you know, I would probably say the less than 14 and three quarters fight time minutes on Wellington Thurman. That may be the one you want to attack there when it comes to the fight time minutes. Uh, looking over a significant strike prop. The Rob Font one is 65 and a half. If Rob can keep it on the feet and that thing goes 15 minutes, Rob's yeah, style tells me that that's a more. That's more than 65 and a half. He might but, land 60 jabs. But the problem is he might get Bennett. taken down and he lands absolutely nothing like we saw mm-hmm. against um, against uh, Corey Sanhagen. Uh, the six, seven and a half significant strikes on Sarukin is kind of interesting. You know, if you if you think that thing hits the fourth round and and he doesn't really try to go the takedown route, that's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. one there. Um, nothing else really sticks out to me in terms of uh, significant strikes. And, and looking over at at fantasy score uh, in this one, um, just because of you know the way you know I, I like Bobby Green, so I would probably say less than ninety two and a half fantasy score on Jalen Turner. But Jalen Turner wins. I, I very well could see him smashing that uh, if he gets a stoppage. Yeah. Uh, Font seventy seven and a half. Look, if you think Rob Font's going to win, I think you go more than seventy seven and a half just because of how he could how he could win that fight. Uh, but I would probably be looking more to attack like the Wellington Thurman eighty five and a half more than that. Uh, Puna Soriano more than ninety three and a half would be the ones that I would be trying to attack. Yeah, that Termin one sounds juicy. I like that a lot. I, I mean, I really, really like that a lot. And uh, in his wins, 81, 73, um, and 74, I think he's fighting one of his worst opponents yet. So I, I think he's going to get way more than that. And of course, uh, this is uh, we'll be here for the next three weeks or two more weeks after this. Of course, you got the Apex card next week that's headlined by Chris Gutierrez and Song Yudong. Of course, that was a fight card that was supposed to be taking place over there in Shanghai, China. That fight is not taking place. And by the way, Eddie Alvarez is a plus two sixty betting underdog against Mike Perry uh, tomorrow night. There, uh, Mike Perry minus three fifty at least. Pet uh, uh, MGM appears to be the only sports book that has odds out on this one. And then, uh, of course, uh, we got the pay-per-view next week. Uh, the or t- Excuse me, in two weeks from now, Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. I'm going to tell you, Pete, I'm going to be all over Colby Covington in that one. Yeah, me too. I'm actually kind of surprised to see he's a betting underdog in that one. Yeah, me too. Just I'm just saying, hey, Ian Gary, good thing you're not fighting Colby Covington or a fight week could be a rough week for you. Yeah, oh, my God. What a what a mess of a situation, huh? So much drama in MMA uh, right now. So if you if you remember, Ian Gary walked to a fight with a T-shirt with Jeff Neal's mugshot. I've seen a couple of people say that um, Vicente Luque should walk into the pre-fight press conference with a certain book uh, T-shirt. I like that. Hey man, you get what you give. That's uh, I I don't know if people have noticed this. And look, I know it's open season on Ian Gary right now. You know, Leon Edwards teams like, no, you can't train here. Brent Allen comes out and says, yeah, he got KO'd at Killcliff and uh, he probably shouldn't talk. I was like, this is Well, the issue is, is you start, like, he also said in an interview that he doesn't need coaches. He he's gonna tell people what he needs and they're gonna do is what he says because he's oh. the one that steps in the octagon. And it's like, my man, I get what you're saying. But if you think you know everything, then, you know, like he it's 
the fighter should have a lot of say in everything that goes into a yeah. camp, 100%, because you know what you need. But the fact that you're just – I don't like how he says that, and I, I disagree with him because uh, you need other people that are smarter than you. You ain't the smartest person. A different set of eyes, no matter what Correct. we're talking about, to me is always a very good thing to have. You know, 100%. No, no, no matter – Look, as a part of my daytime job is creating restaurant menus and editing restaurant menus. And sometimes you miss a typo. And that's why you need someone with another set of eyes to look at something. And, you know, look, it's when you say that, you know, the name that immediately pops in my head. Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, I mean, and look, look where his career is gone. You know, I mean, like in any sport, that's why, like, when you're in a position, you need people to overlook you as well. Like, a quarterback needs an OC. A quarterback needs a quarterback coach. You know what I mean? Like, you need other people to help you. By the way, Patty Pemblett, do not call it Bobby Green. Yeah, no. If you told me Bobby Green's fighting Patty Pimblett, I'm going to tell you where I'm my mind's going. I'm all over Bobby Green. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already over Bobby Green there, right there. I, I do not think the UFC would book that matchup. I really don't. Yeah. I, I, oh, I really, the, Yeah. Um, DraftKings has uh, DraftKings Sportsbook has um, BKFC. I'm looking at him right now. Eddie Alvarez plus two twenty five. Beck Rawlings plus three hundred against Christine uh, Ferreira. I mean, I'm not trying to play a bet on this stuff, but maybe I might have to. He's gonna text me to all right. Hey, bro, I've got a three fighter parlay on BKFC yeah. going on right now. Yeah, I might. You'll see it in our Discord <laughs> if you guys join our free Discord. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, but th thanks for joining us today. I mean, it's, it's going to be an exciting card tomorrow. Happy we were able to actually pull the show off. Um, and uh, hopefully our stands are correct on who, who we like and who we don't like. And, of course, uh, again, I was thinking about our DraftKings contest. I was like, yeah. me and Pete pretty much give out our – we pretty much give you a good yeah. idea what our life is going to be. We're at a disadvantage. <laughs> we're at a disadvantage in our contest because you already know where I'm at. So you just can, can fade my picks a lot of times. But I'm also not going to do it. I'm also not going to give picks and then like put out a super contrarian lineup in our in our contest. I'm just gonna, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it, something in there that I that I believe in. So I'm not going to steer you away. <laughs> yeah, there's there's sometimes I'm like, man, P was really high on that one guy, man. Yeah, see, Jason's like, over there playing I'm, the game. I'm like, I'm sitting there going, you know, I go, man, there might be a lot of people now. Pete, I might be able to play the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying I I'm not saying I do it, but you know there's people in our contest that are going, oh Pete really liked that guy. All right, yeah, one hundred percent. really like that guy. <laughs> yeah, Either we fade we, we or are, pivot. Yep, we are totally at a disadvantage in that contest. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But yeah, get get in that contest. Of course, uh, Locke is 4 p.m. Well, it might be actually be a little bit later since you lost the fight. Maybe yeah. maybe Locke may ends up being 4:30. But as of right now, Locke it tomorrow. Is at four o'clock. Of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the Fight HQ podcast. Of course, you can always check it out on YouTube. Also, you can check it out over on the podcasting platforms if that's your preferred way to take in our podcast. Uh, it's available Apple Podcast, Spotify, all of the, the podcasting platforms over there. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the Fight HQ podcast.